I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Your dick's musical fun time. powerful, son. I didn't even fart. Your stank feet. My feet stink? No, I think that might be your upper lip. I think you just got stink lip. I got stank lip? Yep. You ready to start? Are we recording? We're recording. We are? You sure? We're recording. We're recording. Welcome to the Bearded Dicks musical. Fun time. I'm the beard. I'm the big old dick. And who is starting this week, Dick? I am. You are. Oh. Okay, so in the interest of These nuts. saving you guys from trying to restart the failed channel G4... As my co-host continues to remind me of every time I review a video game. It's funny. <laughs> We're going to try something a little bit different. And this is something I've been thinking about doing for a while. So this is Ben the Beardo's new segment, In Comparison. Oh, okay. So, so I take two films, either a original and a sequel or an original and a remake, and compare them, usually with hilarious results. Uh-huh. <laughs> so today I watched two movies. Neither of which I'm pretty sure you've seen. One is the 2008 film The Strangers, directed by Brian Bertino, also written by him, starring Scott Speedman. Don't know what else he's been in. And Liv Tyler, who, you know, has she's been a bunch a, of stuff. And She's, she's the, Mick Jagger's daughter, right? Yep, Mick Jagger's daughter. Okay. Yep. God both the lead singers of those bands are so ugly. Yeah, big lips. Jesus Christ. They're Steven like, Tyler is horrible looking. Yeah. He looks like he's made out of Play-Doh by somebody who'd never seen a man, but I had an idea what one might look like. <laughs> and I'm also going to be talking about the sequel, Ten Years in the Making, The Strangers, Pray at Night. Mm. So, the first Strangers movie is paced super well, and I do very much like Home Invasion movies. Mm. I think they're a lot of fun. Mm. Gets very Home alone sometimes, which yeah, I enjoy. I to say. You just like Home Alone. But now, mind you, I am going to ruin both of these movies. Yeah, like a bad buy, you will hear spoilers. Yep, whole bunch of spoilers. So the first one's about this couple who are going to this cabin that belongs to somebody in one of their families. Sure. And they just come from a wedding, after which the boyfriend proposed... To the girlfriend, Luke and she Tyler. said yes, and she said, no, not ready yet. So there's a whole bunch of tension when they get there, and it's done really well. Why wouldn't they just not go? Do you think he's just going to bang her into saying yes? I don't know. I think they had planned... They, no, they do mention how they were planning to go on a road trip right after that. So, it's portrayed very well. Mm-hmm. And there is one scene that was added in there that I don't think was needed where you actually see him take out the ring in front of her, but that could have been done just by the ring being in it throughout the thing and definitely feeling the tension. And a 
Girl knocks on their door, and for some reason their porch light is suddenly out, and asks if Tamara is there. And they're like, no, no one by that name lives here. And the girl's like, you sure? And they're like, yeah, we're pretty fucking sure. And then the rest of the movie is three masked people, two uh, women and a man, terrorizing this couple. It's very effective, since they're very much in the middle of nowhere, and it's just the two of them. It's also a little bit older, since it came out in 2008. So it works really well with older cell phones, and the terror is built very well mm -hmm. by the creepiness of it and how you can definitely tell they're not there to immediately kill them. They're there to fuck with them for a while before they kill them. And I did find myself going, oh, well, they could do this. And I have seen the movie before, but I couldn't remember if I actually truly did like it because I saw it in... 2008. I think you were drinking. Yeah. No, I was just out of high school. I was a year out of high school. And I liked it at the time, but I think I discussed this on an episode. I discussed this on our Unsolved Murders episode where we did the I did the cabin one. Yeah. Which the director says it's not based on that, but some people say it is, but whatever. Anyway, it's paced very well. The terror and the tension is built very well. Also... The guy who plays Dennis is in Always Sunny is in it for about five seconds, which is great, and then he gets a shotgun to the face. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a good movie. It's done well. It's not crazy bloody. Is it PG-13 or R? It's PG-13. Is but it it's, titty? No. It's Liv Tyler. Man? She's not going to show her titties. So you sad. see a little bit of her back. Yeah. You see some of her back because she unzips her dress a little bit. That's hot. That's about it. That's like Victorian area titties. Oh, I think you also see her in her panties. Ooh, panty titties. For a second, yeah. They well, call it a bra, right? That's yeah. The panty, the panties uh, of the titties would be a bra. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had been putting off watching the sequel because one, I couldn't remember. Well, I could remember it. I did like The Strangers when it came out, but. There are years between 2008 and now, and the amount of knowledge I have for horror movies, and how much I've grown as a person, and things I like, and yeah. stuff like that. Interest change. Exactly. What's acceptable changes. Yes. So, I didn't really want to see the sequel for a while, but it happened to be on Amazon Prime for free today, so I was like, well, okay. fuck it. Yeah, spooky month. Didn't know anything about it, other than it was a sequel to the original. Now... I'm watching the opening credits, and it says Christina Hendricks. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Christina Hendricks is, but I've got a sickness for her thickness. I mm. truly do. She's this vivacious redhead. She was in Mad Men. She was in Firefly. She's been in some other stuff. But those are the two some things other that... stuff. Yeah. yeah, those are the two things that come to mind that I enjoy. And wasn't she... Was it in um, Zootopia? She was in some... She, did, she does some voice acting work now, a fair amount of, I think. She's pretty good in that. Role. Probably. I think it was either Secret Light of Pets or Zootopia or, like, one of those. I have not seen either of those movies. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Okay. I heard Zootopia was good. I really liked The Secret Life of Pets. It was adorable. Pets are great. Pets are great. Pets, so. pets are great. Yeah. Here at Motel Hell, pets are great. Pro-pet. Oh, I'm sorry. Here at Bearded Dick's Beautiful Musical Fun Time, pets are great. Motel Hell, maybe not. Well, we're a shell corporation of Motel Hell, but anyway. That's true. We're not go, allowed to have our own opinions. Yeah, go on. 
So the movie opens up and you can immediately tell it doesn't know what it wants to be mm. because it has a very 80s style title screen mm -hmm. where it has this really weird font and there's these pink glowing colors that make it appear. It's very strange. The whole movie has a great soundtrack because it's all 80s music, mm. but it doesn't fit. Like, I don't, it, it doesn't make sense. There's no reason for them to do it. Now, in the first one, they are there, the strangers, the three people, I believe the girls are called Pinup, Dollface, and then the guy is just Man in the Mask. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for them to be there, and that's more realistic. They're right. just there to kill these people because they're that's, fucked up. Well, that's what makes them visitors. Yeah. <laughs> strangers. Strangers. Well, both. Yeah. Oh, well, yes, they strangers. are visiting. They yeah. don't stay there. Yeah. But it makes it seem a little bit more realistic because there are people who just want to kill other people in the world. That's sure. That happens. Okay. And this, it, I feel like it gives too much to like a mythos about them. Uh-huh. So immediately they do the same things that they did in the first one where they knock on the door and they're like, is Tamara home? And it's very similar. They still have the same truck that they drove in the first one. So it's a prequel. No, it's a sequel. It happens after the first one. Hmm. But it's 80s infused. Musically. But they have smartphones. <laughs> okay. It, it's, it's a fucking mess. Yeah, okay, okay. It is a fucking <laughs> mess. Okay. So in the first one... Pretty much nothing bad has happened to the strangers. Sure. But in this, there is one good scene I can tell you about where... So it's about Christina Hendricks, her husband, and their two kids. Okay. Their daughter did something wrong, so they're sending her to a boarding school. No one knows what it is. Do the parents they, know? Or the they parents never, know, but nobody tell fucking you. tells okay, you. Okay. She wears Ramon shirts, a bunch of dark eye makeup. Oh. She's got ripped jeans with leggings age? underneath. Probably not. Okay. She's in high school, so probably not. All right. Her brother's about to go to college, I believe they state. Okay. She smokes cigarettes without inhaling, which they mention. The brother says, you know, you're supposed to inhale those, right? Yeah. Which I so thought So she was... doesn't sound that bad. Like, and at this point, she sounds ruined anyways. Why send her to military school? Yeah, I don't know what she possibly could have done. Yeah. It's like a classic 80s plot. Like, you know, rebellious Ramones loving girl goes to uh, boarding school, but then, okay, keep going. I'm just well, so busy. This sounds like yeah, such it's, a mess. It's, it's, it's a fucking mess. And they just, they reuse all of the stuff from the first movie, which if you watch horror movie sequels, the ones that do terribly are the ones that are complete rehashes of the first. Right. You, you can use the same characters and the same ideas, but you got to go your own direction. Otherwise, no one's going to fucking give a shit. Yeah. That's why Friday the 13th 1 and 2 work so well. Right. Because they're almost completely different things. Yeah. Anyway, let get back to my original point. So there is this scene where the mom and dad are already dead at this point. And they do a very shitty job of building any kind of like for these characters. But the brother and sister are running away from them, and there's a scene where the brother runs to this pool, and they're in a trailer park the whole time, but I guess the trailer park closes down for certain seasons, because mm -hmm. there's nobody else fucking it's there. It's like an RV park, kind of? No, they're actual trailers. Okay. Like, full built into the ground yeah, trailers, yeah, yeah. no wheels or anything. No, there are, there are places like that here in New Jersey. Yeah. And I believe their mom's aunt uncle run the place. I don't know if it's ever expressly said, but... 
somehow the mom has keys to a general store that's there. Okay. So I'm assuming that her relatives run the place in some kind of way. So they go to this... The brother runs off, hides the sister because she got stabbed, runs off to this pool, and it's honestly the best scene in the whole movie because... Oh, what fucking song is it? I can't remember, but it's a very good 80s song. starts playing really loudly. Mm-hmm. And one of the girl... One of the evil girls starts running up behind him, and he's got a golf club, and he just turns around and goes, whap, and just fucking takes her out, and then gets gets on top of her. They're struggling. He grabs her knife and just stabs her a bunch of times, and you're like, fuck yeah, some catharsis, because in the first movie, they're unstoppable. In this movie, they've been pretty much unstoppable. At the same time, I don't really care if yeah, either of them fucking die. die. Yeah. Then the man in the mask comes out with his axe, and they're fighting. They get in the pool, and only after the brother took one of them out, I kind of didn't want him to get stabbed. Yeah. This is mostly through the movie. Yeah. And the brother gets stabbed, and the man in the mask thinks he's dead, so leaves. Brother, uh, Sister pulls him out, locks him in a room, and the rest of the movie just devolves from there. There is a very specific scene that is a huge homage to Texas Chainsaw, the very end where she jumps in the back of the truck. Same thing happens. And it's just it's just not paced very well. Like I said, you just don't care. Yeah. They do a very good job in the first one of having you care about the characters because they build them emotionally. Their emotions seem real. But what the fuck do I care if some teenager gets caught for doing some stupid shit? Especially if you're not going to tell me what it is. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to identify with that yeah, it's fucking just like lazy writing character? It's yeah. dumb. But the, the movie itself is just a mess. And it ends on, like, one of those, like, cliffhanger things, right? Where, now, the first one, which I'll get to, ends on this, like, supposed cliffhanger that kind of ruins the whole thing. But they're in the hospital. The brother's on a breathing tube, and he's recovering everything. She's sitting next to him. And all of a sudden, there's a fucking bang on the door of the hospital room, which is just, like, all kinds of stupid. The first one suffers from one major flaw towards the end, where the end of the movie, which is done very well, the strangers have the couple tied up, and they all remove their masks, which is a nonverbal way of saying, you know these people are about to fucking die. Yeah. Because they've seen their faces. They stab them a bunch of times. They leave. Two Mormon boys come in and find the bodies and everything, which is, like, really well done because, like, the first shot of that movie is just blood and, like, a 911 call of a scared child being like, oh, my God, there's blood everywhere. It's done super well and super jarring. And they find Liv Tyler at the very end of the movie, and she wakes up and screams. And it's like, it would have been so much better if they'd left that out because... It, I don't know, it kind of ruins this whole idea of unstoppable terror and, like, the evils of man in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they use sound and music very well in the first one. There's these very old-timey, like, some are country songs, some are not, that they'll play really loudly. There's a part in the first one where they turn on the record player that's in the house, the strangers do, and turn it up really loudly so the couple can't hear them walking around. And it's done super well. The way they creep up on them and terrify them and do certain things to fuck with them is done super well in this movie. But since in the sequel, it takes place across a entire fucking 
trailer park, you don't really get that sense. You just know at some point they're going to come out of nowhere, yeah, possibly in their truck. And they do one thing that, for the most part, is unforgivable for me. Mm-hmm. They do CGI blood wow. in the second one. Yeah. And it's not even in places where I could see it being necessary. It is barely visible stabbings. Like, you see some, like, kind of knife go in, and it's just squirts of blood coming out. And one of the scenes, it's done so badly because the man in the mask is stabbing the father in the neck with an ice pick. And you're like, oh, that blood splatter is going all over his mask. It's going to get all over his mask. Guess what they didn't edit in? Blood getting on the man's mask. Mm. And it's just such a crazy oversight and so terrible. Don't watch it. Do not watch it. The first one, it's paced really well, done really well. It's a really good example of decent 2000s horror, like early 2000s horror, which is, in my opinion, few and far between. Listeners know me. I'm like 60s through 80s, and then like I have guilty pleasures in the 90s, and then like more recent stuff where it's not big-name studios trying to pump out horror movies anymore. It's these little-known directors who get a chance and make like a fresh idea in horror. So check out the first one. If you hate yourself watch the second one but there isn't like I couldn't even see you and I sitting down watching this and making jokes about it and having fun that's mm. how bad it was Oof. yeah so that is my in comparison mm. wonderful I feel compared I, I feel illuminated rejuvenated and infuriated no that's uh that's interesting I'm kind of interested to see the first one except for I hate Liv Tyler so I don't know uh... she gets cut up a bunch yeah that does make it better but Cool. Thank Thank, you. Yeah. No, thank you. Nice new segment. Yeah. All right. In this modern day and age, 2019, there's like stuff we can't say. We can't call things retarded or uh, autistic unless they actually are, right? Like none of those words. But it's hard to describe slam death metal without using (laughs) words like that because it is the lowest mentally challenged. Yeah. No, I don't even think that's okay anymore. I forget what like the preferred. Can't use it as a. I guess you can't use it in a derogatory sense in any way, can you? No, no. You gotta like treat those people like people. So we can't call it doy doy music. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it is. So it's interesting. I'm not gonna get too into this, but I was thinking today to myself of what it is I look for in music now versus what I used to look for and how that's changed. Not much in some ways, but I can remember being in high school and even in college and genuineness authenticity like there and these things can be so arbitrary from person to person even with myself but there's some bands that i look as being like the whole package their lyrics are good the music is good their vision is good they have a specific thing they're trying to do they successfully get that point across it's like legitimately good music and then there's other music that is more functional than it is emotionally uh involving or resonant or anything like that and as a person who loves like techno and drum and bass like i understand that music to be functional music although at its most elevated sometimes it can go beyond that uh, even though it's instrumental electronic music and drone like psychedelic drone music is like that where even though it's largely abstract it can have through certain kind of classic musicality crescendos and things like that it can still accomplish emotional swelling or like you know response or something um and then like there's the case of slam death metal and i wonder what am i getting out of this genre of music other than 
this like junk food level sugar rush for my brain because even though it's real dumb it's still like real enjoyable in the way that like so much of what i like anymore is just like trash but also enjoyable i feel like all i want anymore is amusement rather than deeper thought which isn't true but sometimes i feel like that i wonder if i'm going full retard basically it's it's like my love for domestic girlfriend yeah so it it's awful it's a dumpster fire yeah i mean and slim isn't though it's not fair to say that about all the bands and the good ones are like they go beyond just having good slams in their music and it's sort of its own it's a whole thing i don't want to get into slam too deeply but for those who know what it is um you know you you're it's maybe you're on board or maybe you think it's the dumbest thing ever it's like vaporwave for metal kind of almost the i mean it requires hypothetically more than one member in real bands and 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 that certain level of uh skill but no i mean i like a lot like there's really good vaporwave and then there's a ton of stuff that's just basically memes as music or something less than which is a little bit uh reductive as far as looking at the genre as a whole but i think it's it's an easy takeaway and it's a genre where sometimes separating the wheat from the chaff can be difficult especially because there's so much that that gets pumped out and slam is the same way. Like you go on slam worldwide or some of the other big YouTube channels and Instagram channels. And it's just, it's like how many of these bands are there? How can there be so much worldwide? Yeah. And, um, it feels like a very internet based genre, but anyway, there are bands that are good for different reasons. And tonight I'm going to be recommending two different slam slash brutal bands. And just so you guys know, we, very much oiled the hinges of the disco box. That's why you didn't hear it open this episode. Right, yeah. We'll make sure it's extra creaky next time. Yeah, it was a clandestine opening of the box. <laughs> but we came. Can we so, can we get that printed on a shirt? Motel ho- Hell, clandestine opening of the box. Yeah. Right, right, right. You guys know what time it is. If you don't know it's the disco box, then what the hell. But um, anyways, I want to dedicate these recommendations or, or mention... There's a guy I'm friendly with. I don't want to use his real name if he doesn't want me to. But anyways, he's on Instagram, Miseptic Squid. And he's got this, like, insanely humongous slam Spotify playlist that I'm subscribed to. And I just put it on when I'm lifting about half the time. And I put it on, like, rando. And I just... It's just like... Like, I'm like, oh, this is, like, exactly the kind of brainless meat music I need. And, uh... Yeah, way to throw in there that you work out and look super good without a shirt on Dick Fetty. Yeah, it's true. But, um... Anyway, so... It sort of got me going back to the the Slam CDs I bought in 2015 when I first got into this genre in a knowing and meaningful way. I have still very few of them. It's the kind of thing that, like, I'll be into for, like, a short period, and I'm like, I should buy a bunch of stuff, and then by the time I have the money, I'm out of it again, and I'm like, okay, I just saved myself from a bunch of CDs that... It's the perfect thing for Spotify. Like, I don't need to own this shit, mostly. He but, says until he buys a bunch of fitteds. Yeah. Well, shut, I'm sorry, snapbacks. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. So let's not even go there. I'm not touching on that tonight. Blood type slam. <laughs> I'm not going to be talking about blood type slam. That's Gorevent, and that's a different band. Okay, so we're going to be talking about my other uh, snapback, which is Vomit Remnants. And they are one of the most legendary Japanese slam bands. Japanese slam generally is like, one of the dumbest versions of the scene only beaten by Russia as far as I'm concerned 
but they also do it right because like everything Japan does, they always take some element and take it to this next level of insanity. And in Slam, it's like this new level of dumbness. And they do it. It's hard to tell if it's ironic or not. Like, do they know what they're doing? But it's and it's all these like young, like dweeby looking kids with like humongous hip hop shirts and backwards hats. And you're just like, you guys are fucking nuts. And Vomit Remnants is one of the oldest bands. They just came out and did a, a comeback album two years ago that's actually really good. <laughs> but uh, their first album, Supreme Entity, from 1999 on Macabre Mementos, is is my first recommendation. And I'm co-recommending with that indefens- indefensible vehemence from Supreme Music, then shortly thereafter reissued on Macabre Mementos. Both of these albums have been reissued together and separately numerous times and are classic slam albums because basically they know how to write really good slam breakdowns. They have solid vocals. They have really cool, bizarre late nineties, early two thousands, uh, partially digital artwork and, um, like the EPs indefensible vehemence. The artwork is really cool, but it's also slightly pixelated because they didn't use a high res file. And it's like, you guys, you need to, it's, it's basically, it's gore grind in the sense of it's 99% junk food, but like there's that when the elements are right, like, you know, it's good. And, uh, and when the slam hits your eye, like a big pizza pie. Yeah. That's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry to all those special needs listeners, you know, no offense. Like this, it's just, it's hard. Like all I can think about is Tropic Thunder. Like you never go full retard until you listen to Slam and then you're like, you're just there. Like simple Jack. And, um, (laughs) it makes my eyes rain. (laughs) The best part about this band though, to me is they have a real drummer and I don't know whether they, he used a digital drum kit or they hate him or like what happened, but somebody somehow, somewhere, maybe they didn't really have the real drummer for the recordings. I don't know. The drums are the shittiest sounding drums you've ever heard. It's like the worst drum. It makes Graveland's drum kit look like, oh my God, they knew what they were doing. Our old Zaster recordings sound professional. Oh no. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like the only thing it doesn't do mostly is crackle from bad mastering and that's about it. But it... The crashes are just, it's, it's like any organic aspect is completely sucked out. The only thing they don't have is like the, um, tin cookie jar, like tin lid, like seven inch yeah. target has where it's like, it doesn't have that really. But, um, well, you got, we're going to have, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to play, this is the last song on defensible vehemence. This is just, <laughs> you'll understand. It's so good. The, the drums on the EP are slightly less stupid than they are on the album, but I'm recommending both because they, they kind of have to be together. They rule so hard. But this is, this is, this is a puppet mill.
feel dumber, <laughs> dumber for listening to it. So the, I mean the 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 kick drum sounds like a typewriter. Yeah, like it does not sound like a kick drum. There is still some of the biscuit can snare, and uh, the other thing I'd failed to mention is like the pinch harmonics, which are essentially like if you're not playing a slam part, then you have to be playing some kind of pinch <laughs> harmonic type of thing. There are you know there are different bands that have different variations of this, but. Uh, the slam is like the breakdown and it comes out of brutal death metal from the nineties, yada, yada, yada. And basically, especially Japanese bands have just like gone to the extreme of Gorvent, for example, is essentially just like a nonstop series of slams for three minutes. And then the song's over and gurgling the whole time. (laughs) And then other bands will have more fast, slow, like, you know, fast, slow dynamics. Vomit Remnants has, does have dynamics, but there's, their slams are really solid and it's the whole, the whole package comes together to just form this kind of like really simple minded, but effective thing. The one thing that you won't hear in the samples here, but are in the songs are they use these samples from like hip hop related stuff. There's Cypress Hill samples and some other things. And like it, it hip hop influence is really big in slam culture. Cause it was big on nineties, brutal death metal, especially out of New York and, but also out of California to a point cause hip hop was big then too. It's just such a weird thing, and it's it's basically, like, either big dudes or beefy dudes. A lot of, like, fitteds and snapbacks, tennis shoes, white t-shirts, wife beaters, extra, extra larges, you know. And then, like, especially now, the album art is all just taking gory death metal vibes to the next level, but with, like, this somewhere between shitty airbrushing and shitty digital art. Yeah. It's just its own microverse that once you give in, there's a lot to enjoy. But there's also a lot to be like, this is dumb and I don't even know why I care. And we all draw like lines on which bands are good and aren't. And half the time you can't. It's indefensible, not vehemence, but just uh, indefensible positions on what's good and what's not. And a lot of people hate Vomit Remnants because it's not that hard to and there's a lot of things about them and even in the world of slam that's like what the fuck but i really like it partially because they were one of the first i heard and i've if it's from japan it's gonna get a you know automatically i'm gonna give it a an easier look you fucking weeb yeah it's true so that's the my first disco box recommendation and the second one is more slam so this is more like kind of straight brutal but it is i mean it's slam too i Mention this band because I might come back to a different one later, but there's a there's a band called Enmity that is the most relentlessly brutal and um, one of the bands that like took the route of extremity and reduction to like new heights. They're sort of like Brodequin, but uh, different too. And their shit is so brutal it becomes mechanical and cold in a way that's bizarre and it sounds artificial, but it's also effective and it's like emotionless and just it's like the sound of inner meat flaps. I don't know how to describe it, yeah. but with like a inner meat flaps. Yeah. But it, it's not as like liquid and wet as gore grind or orchidectomy can sound or anything. Anyways, they're really good. This band reminds me so much of them, but with a little bit more variation and dynamic in their music. Like it's just not all seemingly one tempo, but this album is very short. The band is called putridity. They're from Italy. They were originally a single one-man studio project, and then they evolved into a multi-member studio project and have essentially dissolved. 
This was their final album, as at least of now, called Ignominious Atonement. And this is straight off of that playlist I mentioned. Uh, my buddy has... I heard this and was like, fuck, who is this? Their artwork is really cool and unusually arty for Slam on this yeah. last album. Um, and this, this song I'm going to play here is called The Bone Sculpture. So this is way less dumb sounding, although it's still like brutal and technical and tons of pinch harmonics, but... Uh, I think that for a lot of metal fans, you could listen to this and not feel like you're getting dumber, but like be like, oh, this is just really brutal. So this might be an easier entry point, but it's also not straight slams, ultra, you know, whatever. Anyways, this is called The Bone Sculpture by Putridity, and it's about my penis. <laughs> this i mean i any any heavy metal any death metal type stuff or black metal anything that has unrelentingly heavy drums yeah. and just that kind of like i fucking love nile they were one of the first death metal bands i ever heard and there's a lot you could you know say disparagingly about nile but their drumming especially on uh, annihilation of the wicked but even on sacrifice or what is it in their darkened shrines it's just nonstop and suffocations that way too, but they like have more stops and starts and all this. This is just like nonstop double bass at the, like the, yeah, like just machine gun. And, but then there's a lot of like technical and nice fills and all this. And it's enmities like this, except for the drum patterns are more simple, but even more brutal as a result. Cause it's just like, there's nothing to clutch into. Yeah. Whereas this has, again, some dynamics and like, you know, the slam parts seem less slow because you're hearing them on top of this just like undulating wave of like super heavy, super fast drums. And it reminds me in a certain sense of um, Blood Libels by Antaeus, which is a, an album that's essentially just all about its nonstop blasting wall of drums. And uh, so the, like I heard this, I was like, well, this is immediate shoe. And I, I totally like this. And this this album and their one before it, I've been blasting pretty heavily for the last couple of weeks. So second recommendation, check this shit out not this this is doable if you're a metal fan and you're you you fuck with some brutal stuff like and you haven't heard this definite recommendation just so you guys know that since dick fetty has started listening to way more slam and bought three slam uh snapbacks yeah flat brim mind you um one of his eyes has moved lower on his face than the other yeah like you ever see the goonies no 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 
You know who to think of? Because check this out the next time you watch one of his movies. Ryan Gosling's face. His one eye is, like, noticeably lower than the other one. Yeah, but he's so foxy. I know, but it's, it's like, I see it and I'm like, yo, bro, like, who rearranged your face? If you watch Blade Runner 2049 or there's another one, Drive, you see it all the time. Yeah, because most of Drive, he's just, both of those movies, he doesn't say much, he yeah, just he stares, stares at that's things. That's basically all of his post-teen heartthrob movies is him just staring yeah. pensively, which is fine, so... That's what he's good at. I actually think he's a fine actor, but he's particularly good at being quiet, which is a skill, because people need to shut the fuck up most of the time. So, Like Kevin Smith playing Silent Bob. Yeah. So, <laughs> on a totally different note, but following the discussion last time of Hate Rock's new album, Venus and Leo, I have found what is likely to be my other top album of the year, and is similar and not super surprising but boy harsher's new album careful which came out at the beginning of this year so good it's really good and it's unfortunate although it worked out but i it was they advertised hard on instagram and i don't like anything people tell me to like so i even though i was so hot on them for the past couple years since i found out about them in i think 2017 uh which isn't even that long but I swore to myself after missing out on Country Girl, the next record they release, I'm buying it the day of. And then I go into this thing originally wanting it, and by the time it comes out, I was felt so inundated with the uh, sales pitches for it that I was had lost interest and wouldn't even check out the singles. Because you can be a cunt. Yeah, and also they <laughs> like did like 20 different versions of it and blah, 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 so I was like, whatever. And then I saw them... Uh, about two weeks ago live for the second time and they mostly play they played a good mix of their songs from different albums and whatever but they played a bunch of this new stuff and it's phenomenal and i was like okay well i guess i'm gonna buy this record so i did and it fucking rules it's way more streamlined than their early well than their last full album and even uh, more streamlined i'd say in some ways than country girl it is kind of most similar to their first EP slash mini album Lesser Man, and but it it's not as rough as uh, that. It's it's just very refined, and it definitely feels like it could be any one of the songs. Almost could be DJ. There's a couple more atmospheric tracks, but they've largely taken away like the little noisy bits and weirder sounds. Uh, but they haven't lost the emotionality for the most part. I would like to see them kind of go back to Your Body Is Nothing's slightly more experimental edge in the future, but we'll see what happens. I'm not upset with this. It's an amazing album for driving at night. The day after I saw them, I had to drive an hour and a half down to like the deep South Jersey and then back up to see you. And the whole time I just played this album on repeat as I shot through the farmland at like wildly excessive speeds and it was the perfect soundtrack. So I'm going to play what I think was, I'm pretty sure it was the first single from the album, and it's the first like full track called Face the Fire. And I specifically am going to highlight this, this sort of like really nice synth part that comes in in the later portion of the song.
It's got a cool video, too. Yeah, I was listening to this album when I was cleaning the other day, and it felt pretty good. Yeah. I want to pick up a physical copy of this real bad. Yeah, well, they've got like 40 versions, so you should be good. What's the good one? The ones with the music on it. But what does that mean? I mean, all of them. They're fine. Like, they just have a bunch of different colors and whatever. A bunch of them. Some of the pressings are sold out. Some of them aren't. So get the one that's cheapest. I was just going to get a CD. Oh, we can get the CD. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, it's, it's, it's nice because it's that kind of music that has those classic synth sounds. But unlike a lot of synth wave, dark wave, whatever... They definitely err on the side of more minimal while still being able to write good songs. Because a lot of these bands go too minimal but can't write a good song. They've got one prickly synth line that they just beat into the ground. Whereas this this album and these songs have dynamics. And it's mostly buoyed by Jay's vocals, which are like dynamic, sultry, smoky, like real good shit. And she employs a variety of effects and like levels of effects on her voice that give you like dynamicism, emotion, dramatic like interplay. It's just that that is that is the element that makes this band above and beyond their competitors, I think. And you know, I love like Purity Ring, but their second album is awesome in a lot of ways, but it's it's like stadium rock level type synths, like really big blocky broad strokes. Whereas here there's way more like 80s neon night vibe yeah, rain 100%. shit and nuance that makes these albums easy to listen to on repeat because it's very digestible but also they're consistently engaging and interesting in a way that and nuanced in a way that allows them for easy repeat listening so i highly anticipate i mean i don't really do like ordered top tens anymore anyways for my records of the year i normally even just pick like three or five now and mostly I think, like, who the fuck cares what I think? I mean, granted, I'm doing this every week with you, talking about like, records I like, but... I care. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's, uh... Anyways, it, this is a good one, and I'm glad that... I, I sort of, by the time I was getting ready to go to the show, I thought, fuck, I'm not gonna listen to this album in advance. I want to hear it live. And they convinced me in that performance. And if you're a Boy Harsher fan, you've probably already seen them on this tour. It, they've done a really big tour. They toured, like nine months ago in the states and they seem to tour pretty frequently so if you haven't checked them out but you like dark synth pop this is a band to check out so yeah unfortunately i wasn't able to go this year and i really wanted to so maybe next year yeah hopefully yeah so that's all i got let's close that box up yeah uh it became in the interim of us doing this it actually became unoiled on the hinges so we're back to normal, guys. Yeah. So thank you for listening, as always. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, the usual spots. Motel Hell Podcast, pretty much everywhere. Yep. Rate and review us on iTunes if you can. That's that always helpful for us. Recommend us to your friends, your family, your coworkers, anybody whose opinion you don't care about. Um, and shoot us a message or a donor or whatever. If we get to 100 rated reviews on iTunes, we'll do something special. Yeah. We can finger blast each other on air. Yeah. So No, it'll be it'll be something that you guys can enjoy too. But fist uh fuck. We'll tell you video. what it is once we get to fifty. Ooh. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Make them want it. Mm-hmm. Make them work for it. Alright, later nerds. Later nerds.